Hey, hey, everybody. What's going on? It's Rogue Table Talks. <laughs> it's it just is. the two of us. Just the two of us, no Jacob. They never see Jacob or hear Jacob anyway. So As if uh, there ever was. As if there ever was. Um, yeah, so it's just us. Uh, a couple of disclaimers. Uh, I'm here in my uh, study, if, if we're calling it that. And uh, I've got some... Uh, uh, had a couple limbs down with some storms uh, and a couple other stuff. So the tree people showed up. So not sure what that's going to sound like. <laughs> and or my dog Tilly may jump in as well. And uh, if so, we'll just say it's Jacob or something. I don't know. Uh, that's where we are. Uh, it's the deal. We're at home. This is this is the new world we're living in, where stuff just happens and you're. Your home life and your every life, all the life is is intertwined. Uh, if it may will. God have mercy on us. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about um, kind of living out our call, living out God's call uh, in our life, in the church, in the world. And um, I guess let me just start with what um what's required what's necessary for uh to live out our call uh and that's calling our life that's calling our church that's the mission of the church in the world what are what are some things that are faithfully or that are required for us to faithfully follow that that call what do you think mm. that's a that's a good question um in general i think the broad call for the Christian to faithfully follow would be obedience, faith, surrender, uh, love. Um, what, what's what's the title of Eugene Peterson's book? A long obedience in the same direction. You know that that understanding that you're going to have different seasons and challenges ahead. And you may not even know what those are, but it's going to test that faithfulness and test that mm-hmm. commit, commitment mm-hmm. in, in it for the long haul, I guess. Yeah. So consistency or um, resilience through challenges. Um, I do think that, you know, that that's not, you know, that's, that's all intertwined with faith. Uh, as well, um, that, you know, we have to believe that God's promises are true, that what we believe is true, that the mission is worthy, that it makes a difference, even when there are times when it seems like maybe it's not or whatever. Um, and I think that's kind of what we're going to talk about today, uh, to some degree is, you know, that I've, I've entitled this podcast, uh, I don't know that we normally worry about the titles, but the surprising necessity of resilience. Um, and I, I shouldn't be surprising. And you named it when we were talking about it, but it, in the moment, it seems surprising. And yeah. I, yeah, I want to, you know, so I want to use as an illustration, um, you know, so there in the book of Ezra, there, um, they're, they've gone back after exile and they're going to rebuild the temple that's been destroyed. Uh, and, you know, on the one hand, you see 
God's miraculous movement, you know, that they're in exile, they're in Babylon, which becomes Persia. Temple's destroyed. You know, the law's not being observed. Uh, the people are living in a foreign land for 70 years. There's no mechanism to even get them back or to, to do anything to get back to where to the promised land, to the temple, to the law, all of that. And God miraculously works and the king issues decrees and people go back and they, you know, begin to, to, to build, rebuild the temple, all of that sort of miraculously. And we, I think last time we looked at the sort of the grieving in the morning and the, you know, the old temple and the new temple and all of that. And so that's, that's what's happening. And then in Ezra four, you know, we read then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Thus, the work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So there they are. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're rebuilding the temple. They're getting their back in the promised land. And then the peoples around them set out to discourage them. People got discouraged. Um, they bribed officials to work against them, and the work on the on the temple stopped. Mm-hmm. And I guess, um, where do I want to go with this? It seems like this is a surprise, but it shouldn't be a surprise. Like. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like these people are doing everything right. I mean, they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're rebuilding the temple. And you'd think God would just make it easy then, right? Like that, hey, the, you know, when if God is is a call and his in his his movement is clear, which is clear here, so God's miraculously gotten the back to the promised land. Um then that should be the sign that everything's going to go great. And over and over again, that doesn't happen. Like, you know, in, in the Exodus, in the people of God, they see these 10 plagues. They see this God's miraculous hand. They see, you know, the parting of the Red Sea, all of that. And the people, it seems like five minutes later, want to go back. And they say, Mm -hmm. Hey, right. We had onions. At least we had onions, you know, or whatever. (laughs) <laughs> and like what <laughs> and it's like that seems to happen over and over again where it's so it's so i guess i'm taking the long way to say is it seem like an expectation that hey if i do the right things god will pave the way and make everything wonderful and easy is that yeah, a true yeah i think that's well correct me if i'm wrong but um in addition to what you're saying hadn't they just i mean it was pretty miraculous that Cyrus even allows them to go back and build the temple. Right. So you have a, a foreign power, a pagan king saying, right. I'm going to, you can go back and we'll, we'll supply, we'll give you supplies for it. Right. So not only are they doing what they're supposed to be doing, but they just saw, um, you know, God's hand show up providentially, you know, this, this, he could have ruled over us like a tyrant and said, no, you're not going back to the, your, your land and but he sent them back and so now i would think their expectations were you know god's favor is definitely upon us we're definitely doing the right thing we're even getting 
help from outside yeah, no our question. nation. Right. No question. Which should mean, okay, we're in the clear. And then they go, and this, this, they go back and then the, the, the path is cleared again and then resistance and they stop. Uh-huh. Uh, and this uh-huh. is, you know, this sort of pattern happens over and over again. And we talked about, you know, the people uh, leaving Egypt in the Exodus, you just plague, plague, whatever, miraculous, you know, like all of that. And then, you know, they want to go back. Um, you know, Nehemiah, same sort of situation happened, uh, you know, a little bit later uh, in the Old Testament. And, you know, over and over again, and we look at, you know, the lives of people who are definitely following God's call in the world. And you see on the one hand, miracle, intervention, God moving unmistakably, and also opposition, obstacle. Mm -hmm. And so this is a dumb question, but we should probably ask it. You know, why doesn't God just like, doesn't, is it our expectation that God just, well, if you're going to work three miracles, just work four or five and get easy right yeah Yeah. um is that our expectation you think yeah um i think it can be i don't know i think i think part of it maybe depends on what kind of people we are but i think often that is uh an inherent maybe expectation of humanity if i if i have god on my side I think that's maybe where people start. Yep. If God is yep. on my side and I'm yep. doing the right thing, yep. I'm following God. Right. Then you get, you, right. you should make this happen. That's right. Like, and if it's if there's opposition or obstacle, well, maybe God, what changed right. his mind? Maybe he's not on my side. Right. Maybe it's the you know maybe this is the wrong thing. Yeah, and I think those are unstated expectations that I think pretty theologically sophisticated people have uh-huh. in the world, you know, that people who, if you said it like that, they would say, well, obviously I know that's wrong uh, because, um, you know, I, you know I, I'm familiar with all the Bible stories that we just quoted. I, I know that's wrong, but when it happens in our life, it's like, whoa. Um, and I think, kind of back to the original answer to the original question is that's where faith comes in. That's where resilience comes in. Mm-hmm. That, um, is this something God is doing? Uh, and you know, is this the call God's got me on? Well, then I have to believe that like through opposition and through obstacles. Um, and that, I mean, I think there's no way to escape the conclusion that seems to be the way God wants it. Do you think that we, that one of the greatest challenges to resilience and the definition that you're talking about is that we don't, maybe in the moment, we don't see very clearly and we don't really understand that this is a need for resilience. We might, we might just be kind of reeling from failed expectations and maybe we're angry or we're confused and maybe all we can we're groping about in the dark, so to speak, but we don't necessarily understand. 
it, I, I'm reminded of the older brother in the uh, prodigal parallel prodigal son. Did he, did he get it uh, at the end? You know, mm. did he get that this was a moment for him to be resilient and shift some things in his life? And this is what really God was up to. Or did he only see this as this small picture of I'm angry because I've always done the right thing. And I followed the father's call and everything just got reversed on me. Mm-hmm. And all I can all I can feel is that frustration. I don't know. Do you do you think that's a. Yeah, no, I think that's an interesting analogy because then you could say, was he really following the Father's call? I mean, he thought he was. Uh, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, and the the message to the Pharisees kind of where you think you're following God's call, but you're not. Uh, And Jesus was telling that story to a Pharisee, um, basically saying, these people here at my feet are the the people you're rejecting are the ones following God's call. And that's a story. I mean, so part of the question would be, am I really following God's call? So I think mm-hmm. that's fair since we don't have, uh, you know, we don't typically have 10 plagues in the Red Sea parting or whatever. And so it's a, maybe it's a little easier for us to go, oh, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think that's wrong or bad necessarily, right? I, I don't. I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing to do to say, okay, am I really doing what, what I'm supposed to be doing here? Um, but I think the problem becomes when we then, the next step is, well, because there's opposition, because it's hard, uh, that the answer to that must be no. Uh, right. And I think that's where we, you know, there's some, there's some, kind of unstated transactional expectation we have that if we do the right thing, God will make it plain and easy. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like that's, that's the case uh, here or that, that, um, that, you know, with that expectation, I think we reveal our, the postures of our heart to be, inhospitable soil for the seed of the gospel. So when you talk about, like, look at Mark 4 and the parable that Jesus tells of there's seeds scattered all around, there's really only two types of soil. There's uh, large categories of hospitable and inhospitable. And in the inhospitable, there's three different smaller subcategories. But that's the one where the you received it with joy. This is the right thing to do. We're going to follow. You're excited about it. And then opposition comes and then you you know, you fall away. So, you know, speaking to your resilience point, I think it, it can be indicative of the, the softness and openness of our heart to continue to follow what God is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even if it's painful or it's, mm-hmm. you know, opposition. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so it seems like there's a couple of places to go then from there. It, it's, um, that, uh, you know, it shouldn't be surprising. Jesus, you know, talks about, you know, that we are being, we are to be pruned. We, you know, there's, there's stuff that has to happen in us uh, as we follow that, that may not be totally pleasant. Uh, but as we're following, as we're living the life God calls us to live and there's obstacles and opposition, you know, what do we do? And if we do begin to question whether we're doing the right thing or not, or whether this is the right path or not, um, 
there's I there's a couple things. I think one is uh, that we typically um, maybe think of following God's call as having to do mostly with external life decisions mm-hmm. instead of something internal, no matter where I am. Yeah. And then the second thing may, we might say is, okay, obstacles, opposition, I'm not sure I'm on the right path. So I'm going to step back and step back to what then is the question. Mm-hmm. And usually it's step back to not consciously following some sort of, uh, you know, call the, the, they get back to building the temple when the prophet Haggai says, Hey, you guys have nice houses, you know, <laughs> glad that you have nice houses. Uh, but the Lord doesn't have a house. And so they, it's not like they, okay. So God, God's calling us to this other thing. They just sort of stepped back and worked on their houses. It's not like they re-engaged in what they thought was a different missional move. Right. Right. They didn't like go and pray and think, okay, what does God have me do? And then start doing that. They just stepped back. And I think that is something that that's a clear sign that something is wrong. If Mm -hmm. we're following, we think we're following opposition and then we just step back. Uh, We stop serving, stop leading, stop doing and like wait for what something right you know some sort of thunderbolt or something uh when really we just needed to be resilient uh unless there's a clear movement some other way we i think you know long obedience in the same direction you know both of those things are true that we have to keep going in that direction unless we're we're called other ways and i think that's for me it would be a okay I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, it's a sign I'm on the wrong path or I've gotten off the, the train of God's call. If when I get some opposition or whatever, then I step back and I'm basically in pause in terms mm-hmm. of following God's call for people. I do think people can live, people in our, in our churches live sort of on pause spiritually for a long time, years, right? And then they say, well, I'm not really sure if I'm in the right place or I'm not really sure when really they're just, they've kind of stepped back and they're not engaged in God's call, no matter, no matter yeah. what their physical circumstances are. Um, so it seems like that is a, a clear sort of tell that we haven't replaced one direction with another. We've placed one direction with a sort of directionlessness. Um, yeah. And I wonder if it's, um, you know, this passage here seems pretty clear. They met opposition and discouragement. Um, They were, the officials were bribed. And so their plans were frustrated. We don't exactly know what that means, but they kept bumping into a wall. I wonder if for some people it's um, the proverbial frog in the kettle. It's a slow, Mm -hmm. I don't, I didn't even realize I was just Mm -hmm. building my house. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you have nice yeah. houses. Haggai says. Yeah. I didn't even realize it was a slow yeah. decline yeah, that's and good. a slow death. Um, so there's an intentionality that has to be a part of following God's call 
like a conscious thing. Like you're not going to do it by osmosis or unconsciously. You have to sort of, you know, otherwise you go, Oh, a year's gone by and we haven't worked in the temple hardly at all. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, but I did get this thing done at my house and it may not be a conscious decision of, well, I'm not working in the temple anymore because of opposition. It might be something that just kind of slowly happens. I think that's right. I think that's good insight. I think that probably does happen to people. And then part of the job of the church is to say, Hey, like what's going on in your life. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, wake up, wake up, wake up, you know? Yeah. 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 Everybody. Yeah. Okay. So one more place I want to go with this um, is, okay, so we're not rebuilding the temple. A lot mm-hmm. of what is physical in the Old Testament is more spiritual for us now. Um, but if, you know, what is the temple in the Old Testament? How does that translate to us now? You know, it's the temple of our hearts, if you will. The dwelling place of the Holy Spirit is, you know, partly it's inside of us as individual believers. So to rebuild that temple, all the stuff we've been saying about following God's call and rebuilding our own temple, the the redemption and restoration of our own selves or spiritual growth, spiritual transformation, that's certainly following God's call or part of following God's call. So that's going to take faith love, resilience, intentionality, because we're going to hit obstacles. And, you know, so all of this stuff we've been talking about in terms of some sort of external, because that's, I think, what we normally think of, God, we're following God's call, it's some sort of external thing that we're called to. When we're talking about our own spiritual life, our own spiritual progress, our own spiritual transformation, there's going to be uh, obstacles, there's going to mm-hmm. be opposition. There's, it's not going to be a smooth road. It's going to be hard, in other words. And I think everything we've been saying about some sort of external, does do you think that applies to our own hearts? And how does that, how does that translate? You think? Yeah, I was just thinking of okay. So what are some of the key obstacles to the continual? tending to the inner temple, so to speak, as you put it, um, uh, fear, um, small mindedness, you know, this is the way I've always done it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to break out of that. I'm not going to have a new type of mold. I'm not going to try, you know, I think faith calls for risk and courage and I'm not going to try to any new spiritual discipline right now, or I'm not going to you know, take a step and maybe lead a class instead of just sit in a class. Um, I think another one, I just think, um, laziness. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we talk about that a lot because I think Americans do, um, probably we don't think we're lazy, but maybe we work hard on so many other things that we don't recognize our laziness when it comes to like really important things where we're maybe more lazy at the most important things. Um, well, I so think that I, I agree. I think that might be the analog of working in our houses that, you know, we're just tired from working, from family, from life. And we don't, uh, I, I think it becomes some sort of perhaps destructive cycle where then therefore I'm going to check out and spend an hour or two each day sort of medicating myself by mindless television or whatever it is we do. Um, 
and I think I've definitely, that's definitely something I do regularly where Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff going on and I just need to. And so there's some level of that, which of course is fine and normal. Um, But of course, when I'm more intentional about my spiritual development, then that fatigue is lessened to some degree. And I am more, less tired, you know, less fatigued by the, the challenges of life. It's, it's a, you know, it's more positive cycle than a negative cycle, but I think that's right. I don't think I decide, ah, it's, I'm really busy. Life's really hard. I'm not going to work on my spiritual growth this month. Right. Mm -hmm. We don't decide that we just don't, uh, you know, we just don't, we don't make that. And I think that's, and I think we think, ah, this is just so, it's so hard or, you know, and I think if we think about what are the obstacles in my own spiritual transformation, some of them are internal to me, of course, and some of them are external. Like these, why do these people oppose me so much? You know, why do yeah. these people test me so much? Why is that person so difficult and make it so hard? And I think part of the, that's part, I think part of the point is maybe that opposition is, what's needed for me to have exercise faith, exercise resilience and intentionality and be transformed in a way that when life's easy, it's like, you know, if life's easy, am I going to be transformed? Yeah. Yeah. Probably, you know, probably not. You know, it's really when life is more difficult and I have to rely on divine intervention, uh, well, I always have to rely on divine, divine intervention, but when I'm conscious of it, that's when spiritual transformation takes place. Uh, and I think that's, it is hard. And I do think it's easy to sort of drift away, distraction, laziness, discouragement. Um, fear is an interesting one you mentioned, because what are we afraid mm-hmm. of? And, you know, what are we afraid of? Well, I might be afraid of sort of facing this, Um, maybe I, the need to forgive somebody that I just don't want to, I just want to ignore it. Uh, I need to face my own anger at this situation. You know, what I want to do is just pretend I'm not angry. Um, and all that pretending that gets in the way, right? Yeah, that's really good. Um, maybe I'm afraid to go into certain places of my past, um, that are having a, a strong impact upon me now. So I, so I just try to cover them up with yeah. more, I don't know, maybe more spiritual cliches, maybe more, you know, I just got to ignore that and think more positive. Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of ways we can, a lot of fear will, fear's a liar and a twister of things. So right. uh, it will cause us to do a lot of things. Right. So that's, you know, if one of the ways that we are rebuilding the temple is, you know, the temple of our own, our own hearts and there's obstacles and discouragements along the way. Uh, I think another one is you just, we look at our, our, the church, because certainly we can look at, you know, if the body of Christ, uh, each local body and the body as a whole is the dwelling place of the Holy spirit, the place where the world sees God, uh, is by looking at the church. At least that's the, that's the idea. It's obviously easy to look at the church with both, you know, uh, praise and weeping, you know, as we talked about last, 
mm-hmm. last week and to look at it, the church and and say, um, well, that's that's sort of depressing. You know, that's discouraging. Um, and forget that rebuilding the church, restoring, redeeming, that that manifestation of the temple is going to take resilience. Mm-hmm. It's going to take intentionality that we shouldn't expect smooth sailing. Uh, and I think it's, I mean, I almost think that's easy, more, it's, it's easier to look and we, we give ourselves maybe more license to look at the church and think, huh, what a mess mm-hmm. and sort of not, and then sort of check out instead, yeah. you know, right. So if I'm going to follow God's call, no matter what, I'm going to have to be working on my own heart. If I'm going to be following God's call, no matter what, I'm going to have to be working within the context of the local church. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty biblically clear. And yet I know I shouldn't check out of the transformation of my own heart, but although I sometimes do, but then I look at the church and I think, huh, those people, uh, and we give ourselves a license to check out. Is that true? You think? Yeah, I think that's really true. Uh, I think, it, I, I think maybe subconsciously we're typically looking for, um, you know, a scapegoat for our own problems, mm. our own guilt, our own whatever. Mm, that's good. And yep. if it's out there, if it's mm-hmm. them, then I don't yeah. really have to. I'd be doing I'm great. A part of that. Right. <laughs> and, and the thing that I found, and I shared this with a young, a younger person one time and they vehemently disagreed and, and, and cause they were talking about someone that really bothered them. And I said, well, the things that you see so easily in their life are present in your life. And mm. I've, I found that to be, to it was a bad thing. It was a bad shepherd moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I found that to be more and more true is the things that we say that we easily see as flaws or weaknesses in this organization or the church mm-hmm. or this person. Mm-hmm. I readily recognize it because it's some somehow I'm do that I do the same right. thing maybe in a different way but it's it's present in my own life. Yeah, and I think that's part of the hard part of you know our relationship with the church is that you know we in one hand we want to talk about it as if it's some external thing uh, instead of this thing that I'm intertwined with. Uh, some yep. you know it's that it's part of us and um, and for the church to be rebuilt will take faith, love, resilience, intentionality. And God can do some things through his church that we probably don't expect because, you know, because all of the above. Uh, And I think that that's, that, um, that's hard because it, it points to some sort of obligation to our own spiritual growth on the one hand, the temple of my own heart. And then, then I have an obligation to and with God's people to not talk about the church as that thing out there, but to talk about the church as this thing I'm a part of and responsible for mm-hmm. in some way. That's um, good. Right. And that's, I think what happens and, and then we check out a boat of either one of those things. And then we're surprised that our spiritual life seems adrift or purposeless. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that's for me, it's like, what is, what is following God's call in my life? Well, it's going to have to involve my own heart and rebuilding the temple of my own heart. And it's going to have to involve the re- restoration, redemption, transformation of God's people, the church. And then I have to be a part of that. Uh, I'm not a spectator uh, to that. 
and whatever else goes into following God's call, like those things have to be kind of foundational or else, um, you know, there's no magic decision to take this job or move this place or whatever. That's going to be a replacement for following God's call. It's mostly my own heart and my relationship with the church. Um, and I think that's, I mean, I just, we don't like that because I, I think there's some sort of obligation. There's some sort of resilience that's required by being obligated to and with other people that I don't know if it's just us as Americans. We just don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked your phrase uh, that I'm a part of and responsible to. I'm mm-hmm. responsible to it and for it. If I, you know, there's something about it that, I may not like, or I may see through, but I'm in it not to just fix it, but to, um, be something different and to, that I'm responsible for it. That mm-hmm. if it's, if it's going poorly, how is that reflecting on me? And what can I do about it or with it? Yeah. Or, you know, what's my response? Uh, what is a response to that? Hey, we need to build a temple rather than build our own houses. What does that look like in my own heart? What does that look like, uh, in the church? And, I think that uh, I don't think I'm over spiritualizing as I'm looking at the, you know, the story in Ezra that um, it, it isn't as though that these important moments in God's story have happened in the Bible. And then, and now that most of that's over and we're sort of running out the clock until Jesus comes back. But that important moments of rebuilding and restoration are supposed to be happening now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and contrary to that, you know, that most of the important stuff happened in the Bible, you know, w- scripture tells us that we are the fulfillment of like all of this stuff happened so that we could be a part of transformation and building the church and mission to the world. And I think, you know, like this is it's like it's our moment now. <laughs> uh, yep. And, you know, am I am I being faithful to that moment? And I just think you know, kind of to put a bottom line on it, that what seems surprising, it isn't surprising, but it still seems surprising in the moment is in order to do that, I'm going to have to be, I'm going to have to have some resilience. I'm going to have to display some faith, some obedience in the same direction over a long period of time through difficulty. And that's just part of it. And, you know, whatever causes me to get off the train might be the thing that should be calling me deeper in and I use it as an excuse to get out. Um, and so that's sort of kind of my takeaway, you know, with, as I'm kind of thinking about this whole, this, this whole idea. Um, so I don't know if you want to put a bow on it from your end as well, uh, as we're coming down the home stretch here. Um, the only thing I can think of is that I, I don't know, how much you need resilience in the beginning of things. The beginning yeah. of things is exciting. You know, right. the start of right. your teenage years, the start right. of a new relationship, the start yeah. of that's good. That's a right. business and idea. I don't know yeah. how much you need it, but when you start to get in it for the long haul, it's going to be one of the most useful uh, tools and maybe gears you can, um, yeah. begin to build. And I, I only think it comes through experience. You have to build it in experience and respond well when you have opportunities for resilience and strengthen 
that muscle to keep going forward. Um, I think that uh, it's it's going to be one of those key things that you're going to have to go back to again and again and again. Mm. No, I think that's a very good point. God does often make it easier at the beginning and there's an excitement to it and that's bound to fade. And that's part of our disappointment. Um, you know, when the king issues the decree, you think all of our problems are over uh, mm-hmm. and you and then, then they're not. Um, and I think part of that part of all the problems not really being over is because God is working to rebuild our own hearts. God is working to rebuild this church and all of that stuff is necessary. Uh, so uh, we'll just leave with an encouragement towards resilience, uh, an encouragement to stay on a path with God's call and to expect, uh, to expect turbulence, to expect obstacles, to expect opposition. Uh, and part of faith is, is kind of living through that and, and living through that with resilience. Uh, and he is going to be the source of all of that. So I'll just, we'll leave you in his hands uh, and with grace and peace. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church media productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.